Welcome to Because of Course. <laughs> I'm Judan. Hi, y'all. This is Diana. Welcome to episode 14. This is a pop culture podcast. I mean, what can we say? Shit has hit the fan. Things are really scary. Judan and I have both been advocates for please stay the fuck at home yes. um, as much as possible. Yes. If you can. And we know people aren't really in the mood for, at least I wasn't for a while, in the mood for like levity and pop culture stuff for a while. And we know there's like a lot more important things obviously going on. But this is, at least for me, certainly a distraction for yes. at least a little while. This is absolutely. Yeah. And we hope it is for you too. So that's why we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, we, we don't want you to think that this is not to take place. I We can we can do two things at once and yeah. we can both panic on the inside and talk about pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So with that being said, we're going to talk about Pentified in this episode. And then we'll talk a little bit more about pop culture, uh, especially how things have maybe changed a little since COVID-19. So let's talk about Hentified. So if you haven't heard of Hentified, it's a Netflix series and it is set in Boyle Heights, which is a neighborhood in East LA. And it follows three cousins, Chris, Eric, and Anna, and their grandfather, Casimiro, um, who they call Pop. And so Chris and Eric are trying to help their grandfather kind of keep this taco shop afloat because it's dealing with a lot of gentrification in the neighborhood. And then meanwhile, Anna is pursuing her dream of being an artist so it's 10 episodes long. It's a comedy. It's a drama. It was created by Marvin Lemus and Linda Yvette Chavez and executive produced by America Ferrera. So what did you think of the series just overall? I really, really liked it. I thought it was like super complex, had many layers to it. I thought like the characters were all really well developed. It had like moments of both fun and seriousness to it. I will say like the first episode, I feel like they tried to do too much in the first episode in terms of like, look at us, we're super woke. I can tell you all the like Latinx memes. I mm-hmm. like, let me push it all into one in case this doesn't get picked up. And it was like, oh, I hope that that is not the way it is for this whole, because it's going to be exhausting if they're just like trying to do too much the entire time. And they didn't. It was just, I think, kind of like an intro. But I, I totally, I liked it. I'm excited. I know. I think it, it's renewed for a second season, right? Or Has it? I don't know. I hope so. I don't know. I th- um, no idea. I hope it gets renewed for a second season. It is great. I think. I think there are certain things about not only like a Mexican family, but a Latino family or Latinx family, and uh, or even any close knit family could probably relate mm-hmm. to. And those relationships were really well shown. Mm-hmm. Right, use a flashback. Right, use a music. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I like the way you described it of having a lot of layers because I think I watched it twice. Um, the first time I watched it, I kind of just watched it um, more surface level. And then the second time I, I really started thinking more about like, you know, just the different themes, different storylines for each character. And I, I found myself relating to a lot of it much more the second time around. I felt like it hit just on a lot of like the push and pull of just being a, a first generation Latino or a Latino in general. It touched on like the things you have to like just balance in your life that um, are just very strong players. Obviously, like, you know, what your own wants and, and what you desire in, le- in life, but also just balancing like your family's expectations and then the community expectations. And that it doesn't always come through when you're watching a maybe like a non-Latino um, or non-minority led cast. So I really, I really like that aspect. And I really liked how part of it focused on like the intergenerational relationships, which we saw with like Chris, especially and, and Pop. Um, and then like Anna and her mom, like that was a good one. And then even Lydia, like when, with her pregnancy and her dad being like, I want to be a grandfather. Um, <laughs> so like that was like a really interesting dynamic, which we can talk about in a little bit. But so I liked 
a lot of the different themes and stuff that they brought up, you know, even just with Anna being like LGBTQ, that's like a fairly new thing. I still feel like for our community anyway, uh, it's not something we like explore a ton. So it was nice um, to have our character just kind of being very free with it, I guess. Yeah, great. I definitely I definitely love the what you said about the intergenerational thing. I didn't think about that as much at first, but you're true. Because I feel like that's just our normal lives. It's like we are constantly interacting with our grandparents and our aunts and our, you know, little nephews and cousins. It's not like we are ever just in a vacuum of people our age. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and the themes too of will it make a difference? Well, what you are doing, no matter what that is, like for yourself, for your family, like, is it really going to change much? Like, and I think, you know, that's the whole, the play with, you know, gentrification too. Like, what is this going to change? What can you actually do to stop it? Is this, is there anything you can do? And then, you know, do you have to sell out to achieve your dreams? Do you have to, because I don't know, I was thinking about this too, because being in a nonprofit for a while, I, there were lots of times, and even at Notre Dame, like at I, at the Institute for Latino Studies, it, like one boss say this too, is, you know, we tend to give back to our community, like we're going out and being teachers, or we're being like servants, or working for a nonprofit. And like, sometimes I'm like, just go make a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. be the people in the room, and be the CEO. Yeah. And then that's the way we're going to make a difference. Because and so like, I understood like Anna's like, her whole thing, her whole storyline, or even Chris's, because at some point, like, is the system designed just to keep us down anyway? And until we I even like with this, with the whole storyline with the shop doing the being part of the food fest, like it's what's the game you have to play? Does it really make a difference one way or the other? Absolutely. I think that was one thing that I didn't get the first time around, actually. (laughs) But the second time I was like, oh, my gosh, like I feel this. You know what I mean? Like it really hit because... I feel like that's been a lot of my adult life has been this constant push and pull of not necessarily community so much for me personally, but I know that that's a huge thing for a lot of people. I know for Manny, for sure, it's like a huge thing, but more like family for me, I think, versus what I want to do with my life and what I want to go achieve. And yeah, yeah, I remember at Notre Dame thinking like, wow, all of these people in our community are going to go do all of these like service oriented things. And that's fantastic, right? It's not who I am. Which is not necessarily a good or bad thing, I don't think, but it's not the first thing I think about. The first thing I think about is like, how do I make myself better to like give back to my family? And the best way for me to do that is, like you said, go make some money. And so like that was my priority, but that wasn't the priority for a lot of people. And and so Notre Dame actually really opened my eyes to that a lot of like, wow, like everyone's like giving back. And I still believe that the best thing you can do is do better for yourself and then give back versus right now like at that level it sometimes it just feels like you're going back and you haven't really you haven't necessarily grown or experienced or learned enough to be able to like put back in but that's a very personal opinion but it was the thing with you said with Anna and Jessica and like it was like individualism versus collectivism between the two of them Mm -hmm. and that's and like when I rewatched it I was like wow like I didn't really get that at first but I totally get where Anna's coming from she wants to go do all this stuff around the world and represent her Latinist around the world, whereas Jessica wants to stay back and like help her community, both of which are totally fine. But I really felt like, wow, like I get where Anna's coming. I feel like that's more me, but I totally understand where what Jessica is wanting to do. And that's such a, a noble thing, but not necessarily what I think personally <laughs> helps our community. It's a very like touchy subject. I don't want to like bring other people down like by saying that. And I, I'm not at all trying to do it. It's just more of, I feel like if we're all in the same place. Like if none of us are climbing the ladder, then like, who's going to help us get there? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's like, what I mean, that's what happens is, 
it's the same story every time is like people hire people who look like them and people keep the people who look like them in the room. And if you are not in the room, even to begin with, how can you live to that? And I've worked for a nonprofit. I've been there and it is hard work. And it's hard to feel. And I feel like that's what Jessica was, you know, feeling like it's hard to feel like you can make a difference unless you do these tangible things like, okay, we're going to protest. Are we? And even then, it may not make a difference. Just like the mariachi storyline, you know, like so sad. Mm-hmm. how futile is anything we do? Um, I, I think you have to have both. I think you have to have people who, because yes. on the one hand, you know, you need teachers that look like them and they need community people that knows what's going on. Because that's the other problem is like, then you have, you could go, have you seen Insecure? I haven't, no. Well, then they have, they have like a nonprofit there and like, it's a bunch of like white people or non-black people trying to give back to the, to, you know, trying to help people in the community and they're completely out of touch. So like, there has to be a, there has to be both. And I think the problem is as Latinx people, as Latinos, as minorities even is like, we feel, we are meant to feel as if there is no choice, as if we cannot be everything or, you know, we cannot have both of these things because you either have to just like be in this cutthroat world and like just try and make it here or you have to just be the poor immigration lawyer or the poor teacher helping your community like yeah and you're not allowed to fail at either mm-hmm. whereas like white people can fail all the time and like it doesn't matter <laughs> literally you know it does feel like so i grew up in a very white neighborhood a very white community and that's necessarily white it, it was diverse and i mean it's new york so it was diverse but it was long island so mm-hmm. less diverse there was a lot of latinos at my school but i i was like in honors ap kind of classes so there there were literally no other latinos in those classes and so i never latinoness wasn't like a big thing to me until notre dame until i was like oh same and so that also like impacted a lot of like how I think and also because I I'm not technically first generation I'm like an immigrant so I think that also impacted the way I I think our experiences are just different right um you know whether you're an immigrant or first generation or fourth generation whatever just different experiences in being in America like I said at Notre Dame I think I really started feeling like oh like I didn't even understand this like aspect of, of community of the Latino community and like having to like put back in or bring others with you basically mm-hmm. sorry I didn't understand that for a long time anyway but yeah this show like you said has a lot of different layers in it and I, a lot of it like came through in, in unexpected ways like with um, Anna's storyline and Chris's storyline for sure I feel like I saw a lot of myself in both of their wants but also having to balance family and community as well and then you mentioned the whole plot line with gentrification in the taco shop and like one of the things I started thinking about you know when Chris comes in and he's like hey let's make things a little nicer maybe for the gentrifiers yeah like white people and so he started making this chicken tikka masala taco right because they like like artisanal tacos and all this but I mean, like, I love artisanal street tacos, right? Like, I, I want that chicken tikka masala taco. I would totally pay what the six bucks or whatever. At- right, right. Yeah, it made it definitely made me think in a good way, and which I think is great. It made me think, like, wow, like, what is my role in doing this? And they even mentioned, you know, like, they want to make all these places ramen shops. And I'm like, man, like, ramen is the best. I love ramen. <laughs> and so, yeah, it definitely made me think of, like, my own role. And it made me, like, consider that a little bit more, I suppose. I think definitely more than I normally would, because usually I'm... I'm the one who's like gentrification that's terrible but i don't really think about like well you're maybe contributing 
to it sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Not even realizing. Absolutely. It's interesting you say, because I, I think part of it is like where you live has obviously a lot to do with it. Not just, I mean, like in a micro aspect, like, you know, if you're moving into like East LA or Pilsen or whatever, I mean, like I too, you know, I grew up among a lot of white people from Kansas, like the suburbs of Kansas. And so on the one hand, when I went to Notre Dame, that shock of being the only brown person in the room didn't shock me because I was constantly used to being the only brown person in the room. It didn't yeah. matter. Same. Which I know it mattered for a lot of our peers. Um, mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, like I went to Notre Dame. <laughs> like, I come out, I just, I just came out with a whole bunch of mainly Latino friends and minority friends. And like, I felt like my cousins would like give me shit. Like you went to like a rich college and you didn't make any like rich white people friends. And I'm like, well, no, I made, I, I, I have white people friends. What was the point of going? I know they were like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like we had, I feel like there was someone who knew, like, had, like, a night, like, a rich roommate who, like, take them on, like, cruise. Yes. Spring yes. breaks. And I'm like, <laughs> didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Um, I just became more Mexican and more Latino, actually, being at Notre Dame. I don't know what to tell you. Same. Yeah. And not to say that we didn't do, I think you and I both have, like, a full aspect. We, like, studied abroad. We did work study. I mean like it's not like we didn't have a full rounded experience and we didn't have like a multitude of different friends and things like that it just for whatever reason that's just mm-hmm. where we came out with but I've got to say but this is kind of where I I totally felt when they gave Chris the Mexican test <gasps> that was the best episode I think that was the best and I felt it because that was because again because I was not used to being among a bunch of Latinos being an Notre Dame made me question my like Mexicanness and my because oh you're only half like oh and the other half of me isn't even white so it wasn't like <laughs> right I still wasn't white and yet they were still like, so minority yeah yeah I mean so like so seeing that Mexican test I was like cr- I was dying I was like cracking up at it uh, and it was perfect it, and, and so this is the I think the layers of which that that show did really well because then on the flip side he still spoke Spanish still understood Spanish mm-hmm. he still was there for his family he still was trying to do what was best for his family and like show up for them and his cousins like the relationship between the cousins was like also really touching because I feel like a lot yeah. of my cousins are basically brothers and sisters as well mm-hmm. and so yeah yeah I, the, to say that like these people were layered and multifaceted was great it went, it was great writing yeah. And I didn't realize that this was also a web series at first. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I read about that, but it, I don't think it's available anymore. But it was pentified, I think, without the little dash there in the middle. Mm-hmm. But this is a good segue to like talking about the characters and the storyline. So let's talk about Chris is perfect. So a little background. So Chris wants to be a chef, right? Um, so he has like this business degree. He returned to LA to work under this like Michelin star chef because he wants to go to culinary school. So he's helping out at the restaurant, Mama Fina's, and really pushes to like innovate the restaurant. And that's when we were, I was talking about that chicken tikka masala taco. So one of the things that comes out in his storyline is like, a lot of people call him like potato or like coconut. Okay. Yes. He's like brown on the outside, but white on the inside. And that's what you were talking about, about the like Mexican test. So other, um, I guess, cooks or chefs, I, I'm not sure, in the kitchen, they're all Latino, right? And, but they were all like, you're not really Mexican. I mean, um, so they were giving him all these tests to prove his Mexicanness or his Latino-ness, um, which is, I think it was episode three. And it was perfect. Um, because yeah, same, same here. I felt that so hard. I guess, spoiler alert, but like the part where he like, 
like quits or gets fired or whatever and he like mm-hmm. they're like dragging him out of the restaurant and he and he has like the grito finally at the end yeah <laughs> i think that was like the best part but yeah it's crazy how you can feel so like an outsider sometimes in your own culture yeah i think like that was kind of his story a little bit i mean we say it all the time you're like stuck between these two worlds of being american and then and then you're you know wherever your family's from or wherever you're from and we already talked about like it just depends on your upbringing and how your family is but spanish was like my first language but even i feel very conscientious about speaking spanish because now my english is better than my spanish because i've been here basically my whole life i'm like very careful about speaking spanish whereas like my brother is like the opposite my brother's spanish is like i mean it's good but it's it sounds American. Like I hear it. I'm sure mm-hmm. he does too, but he does, he just goes with it. He's just like, whatever. Um, and people are like totally receptive to it, even though it sounds like an American. Americanized a little. Yeah. I think my Spanish is, is pretty good. I would say comparatively, probably a little bit better than his just because he was born here. I wasn't, but I feel like way more conscious about speaking it like way, way, way more. Cause I'm like, if I don't speak it perfectly, people aren't going to know. They're going to know I'm not like, Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Like, and I feel like I have to like prove somehow that I'm like, Oh, it's ridiculous. And yeah. And that's true. And it's funny. Cause even with like, even within my own family, sometimes they'll be like, Oh, that's so white. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, uh, it just frustrates me too, because like, I'm like, you say these things and I'm like, that's not a white thing. Like that's, that's just you being in the, freaking idiot like um uh-huh. but on the flip side too, yeah I feel super super hesitant and I well I so my dad I'm technically first generation but on for my mom which is the Mexican side I'm like third generation so for my grandparents and my parents growing up in the 60s in Kansas you absolutely did not want to speak Spanish like of course yeah 1000 percent no yeah and so they didn't teach their kids which my parents my aunts and uncles so of course like I didn't learn whatever I learned I learned at school or from friends mm-hmm. and stuff and it's bad I'm not <laughs> a Spanish speaker at all um <laughs> I can get by. I can do my thing. And so, yeah, I was like working for a Latino civil rights organization. So I was like, God, please don't speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, but I get it. And then it's like, like you said, everyone has that feeling of not being enough or being from one place or the other. But like we do it. Yeah. We, I think that's always been. I think a lot of cultures could tell you this. Like we do this to ourselves sometimes too, like in which we put these own litmus tests on each other for what reason, as instead of like just lifting each other up being like, you're right. It's you getting in the way of yourself. It's like, like, again, the thing with my brother, like he doesn't give a shit. He's like, I don't care how good my Spanish is. Like I know how to like communicate well enough and like I can communicate with this person. Like, why am I not going to do that? Um, Or try to. And I think, People are very, like I said, people are very receptive to it. People don't care yeah. that it, if it's perfect or not. It's like whether or not you're, again, acknowledging the language, acknowledging that you're trying. So totally. And and it's not just language, but yeah, totally hear what you're saying. The other thing with Chris was also like him wanting to be the, the chef, right? But then also like helping out the shop. And then towards the end of the series, Hop asks him basically to stay and like to help Eric like run the shop. And so at that point, he's kind of choosing between his or like what he wants to do versus like staying home and helping his family. That's a lot. I don't know. I felt that a lot too. I was like, that's a lot to put on someone to basically ask them to not follow their, I'll call it a dream, not call it their goal, whatever it is. Yeah. To, you know, help your family. Agree. Agreed. 
Anna, she, um, so we talked about her. She's like LGBTQ um, who wants to make her living as an artist. Um, and so she has that, a girlfriend who is black and Dominican. Her name is Jessica. And she also has this like white benefactor who like pays her a lot to do like art randomly either around the city or like at events. And so sometimes big people look at her kind of like a sellout. Mm-hmm. And she lives with her mom, Beatriz, and her little sister, Nayeli. And she and her mom butt heads constantly. So what did you think about Anna and like her storyline? And I thought Anna was another good one in which, you know, it just tackled the idea of like, like you said, are you, what is your part now in gentrification? Like does following your dream on some level always have to contribute? Never have to contribute? Like, but then who else is paying her? Like who else is paying her for her art? If yeah. we're not this like crazy white guy, like no one else <laughs> is doing it. And then even at the end, even when she like, a little, little spoiler, even when she like made a statement the white people were still like, oh my God, I love it. Like it's still part of the performance, right? Like totally. So we talked a little bit about her earlier, but that scene with Anna and Jessica where Nayeli was like filming them and asking them, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. And then Anna was like, oh, you know, I want to travel and paint all over the world. And Jessica being like, well, I want to, you know, I want to stay here and lift up this community. And then like, I guess other friends of theirs, like calling her a sellout or, or thinking of her as a sellout because like you said, she was like painting for money from this white person. It was just like, what do you what do you want her to do? Like what yeah. do you expect her to do? Like stay around and like what like people can't afford that kind of stuff in this neighborhood. So like should you I don't understand like what you want people to do. You want people to like kind of stay down and and you know crawl their way through like what she wants to do through her art. I mean that's her that's her dream, that's her goal. Why you're like demonizing that? But well, I think yeah. I think the problem is too again, it's it's is it structural and it is so hard to like overcome the structuralness of it without doing both without like completely either toppling it from the bottom and like raising it to the ground or on the flip side, being the person that is with these people making these decisions and like trying to tackle it from the inside. But how do you get to the inside if you're not playing the game and yeah. like joining it? Like, yeah, I think you have to do both. You know, this isn't the movements of the 60s. And like, we are so much farther apart and like so much farther, like the income inequality is so much is like such a greater divide and yeah and then you still also have people who unfortunately like get in like uh valderama he is uh technically they also call him a coconut i mean he is a latino guy who is selling people out because he's renting everyone's space and like fucking up the leases so mm-hmm. you can be both good and bad on both sides of the spectrum here yeah it's really hard because if you if you, if you just think about him as an individual right and it's like so you you have to like see his perspective too. And I'm not saying like what he was doing is right or whatever, but like that's his job, right? He's a, he's a realtor, a landlord, whatever he is. And so like, are you supposed to just like cut people a break because they, you know, they can't, they can't make that rent that month. Um, And again, outside of these circumstances that we're living in today, but how long are you supposed to be like, okay, that's cool. And then take a hit yourself who, and you're trying to get ahead. Right. I don't know. There's a balance somewhere. It has to be a balance. Yeah trying to like better yourself even though sometimes it does come at the expense of well in his case of others which was unfortunate but in her case it really didn't seem that way it felt like this was like what she wanted to do and people were kind of- it felt like she was yeah like she was making money to help her mom and like help her family and like pay for what she could and it unfortunately happened to be with a guy who like didn't have the best interest and then even i 
it's so yeah no i agree like yeah. she finally had a show like who was gonna give her a show like who was gonna pay her for her art if it wasn't for these people and i don't know because I, I i think i wrote that into my notes like what is the answer here like because you saw jessica feeling conflicted which is the on the side note like they could have had more like um afro latino people in the show so again it is definitely like more of a yeah. one-sided Latinx view that is a negative of it. Yeah, when so Julissa when she auditioned for the show that that part was actually written as a Mexican character, um, but she did so well like over a couple of auditions that they changed it into a um, like Afro Latina Dominican character because that's who she is. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of, like there was like some criticism about that right that there wasn't enough like Afro Latinas or even or like more of the the conversation or acknowledgement of the fact that she is black in the Latino community, which is like another thing that we don't talk about. The whole thing, yeah. But the show, I, th- I think when it was written originally, the show just never focused on that because originally they thought it was just, it was an, another uh, Mexican character. So they change it where they, they do address it. You know, she mentions it a, a couple of times, but it's not like a real focus of the show, which I'm sure is something they can Keep exploring, yeah. explore a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. But the other thing with Anna was also her relationship with her mom, right? Like that was yeah. the thing where like her mom being like this very overbearing, kind of unsupportive of like her art, possibly a little bit homophobic, it felt like. But this series then like actually devotes like an entire episode to her um, a little bit later on mm-hmm. where you like learn a little bit more about her and her perspective and she works you know as a seamstress at a factory where they treat her like shit but at one point Anna and and her mom are arguing because her mom um, gets all this work sent home right like so she has to do like continues basically being a seamstress at home um which sucks and at one point Anna says like you know like I get that you had to do this and I and you had to work your ass off to be here and to give us a better life but is this what you wanted for me right like is this what you envision me doing um and, and again that totally hit I was like oh my god like right I guess I didn't even think about that perspective because I, I was thinking about like helping your family and helping at home. And that's just what you have to do, mm-hmm. especially Latino, especially a minority, constantly having to give back in some way or another, whether it's to your community or to your family or whatever it is, um, which I, I doesn't feel like as many white people anyway, necessarily need to think about that in the same way we do. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I loved I, I did like Beatrice's episode 1000% because, again, it showed you, you know, another aspect to her like. It really, I mean, it sounds terrible, but like, I think it's the same like thing Rami did too, in which they're trying to show you the different layers of these people. They're not just, she's not just, she is the poor immigrant mom who's working underpaid and like kind of below the lines, but it's more than that. You know, it is hard being a mom. It's hard. You know, she too has these wants, even if they're simple, like, like what, like she doesn't want to just fucking not do it. Of course she does. Like it's different layers. And I think that's too with like Cassie metal with like his whole story as well is, you know, everyone has these dreams and these little wants and they're big and they're small. Yeah. Um, and how you go, what's the way to do it? Like, what is the way to get there? And the, I think it really, the Casimiro and, and Beatriz, her, and then Lydia's dad, who they showed, I think their dreams, I think, are very different from the dreams that the next generation has, which is where the show focuses, Eric, Anna, and Chris. You can see sort of like the differences in, especially Anna and Chris, I would say, you can see like how they're going about things differently. And be- because things are different, times are different. Like you mentioned, it's totally different being a Latino now than it was in the 60s or whatever. I mean, you have opportunities um, that you didn't then. And so their dreams are bigger, right? And they're not afraid to do more unconventional things. 
But anyway, yeah, I really liked Anna. And then the other, the third cousin is Eric. Mm-hmm. He's um, definitely different. Um, he's stuck around Boyle Heights. He didn't leave. I, I would say he is a little bit more traditional in a sense, in, in some senses and, and not in others, um, where he, he does also work at Mama Pina's. His focus has been on helping Pop and working at the taco shop. But now he has this girlfriend who is pregnant, Lydia. And so his priorities start changing a little bit too. So how did you feel about Eric? I loved Eric. I thought they did a great storyline there too, in which he wasn't like the standard pot smoking dude who never did anything in his life or has no other aspirations because they have him then be like, Oh, he starts his little little bro bookshop and he knows all the books. He knows exactly all of the theories and the theorems and the count of my Cristo and he has read them all. So he's not a fucking idiot, even though he like didn't go anywhere. And I love I love Lydia's storyline too, because it was nice to have like a character who didn't have too much of a struggle. Like she was not that she doesn't have a struggle because obviously her struggle was like her relationship with Chris or with Eric. But like she, you know, she's gets Stanford and like she says she's like not even like she gets to another spoiler is she you know she gets a job at Stanford and she's like not even a like you know a diversity job she's like which I would have taken anyway but just like a dean of culture like like just a normal job and she and I thought that was fantastic I thought she was a great character too I liked her as an actress I loved her character actually like she's independent very strong-willed complete feminist yeah very very much I think where our generation is is or is heading at least so I really loved her character. Um, I liked Eric too. Even just like that first scene where he's like on a bike and he's rolling up on something. We don't know what. And he looks he looks pretty hard, right? Right. And then he like, you see him just like returning books at the library and then asking for if they have a copy of like the next one. And so like that com- that immediately like sets the tone of like, oh, he's not like your average gangbanger. You know what I mean? He's not a gangbanger, period. You know, this quote unquote cholo here. Yeah. Even the, even the cholos they did show like weren't your average cholos. Like they, they did well to do that. Yeah. They were. They were. It was funny. Another thing about that story, which was like amazing and beautiful. Well, two different things. One is Lydia's father went to Eric to tell him, you know, tell her not to go right to Stanford. Like you said, she has this job offer and, sh- and she wants to take it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, don't tell her not to go because I want to be a grandfather. And he's, you know, really upset about it. And he, he's like, I'm not going to tell her that, you know. And that was like a really interesting scene because I, you know, I thought about that a lot. Again, as it relates to me, because, <laughs> you know, my mom has been very supportive of like everything I've done forever. But, you know, as an adult, like I've moved around a lot. My grandma, though, like my grandma will get on the phone and tell me straight up, like, why did you leave your mom? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I like, I don't know what you want me to say, you know, and I, and I get it. It's a totally different, I don't blame, like, it's a totally different time, generation, whatever, where you just didn't, didn't really do that, you know? Yeah. To say that it doesn't, that I don't think about that sometimes would be a lie. You know, am I doing this like selfishly? Like, this is something I want to do. I want to move to wherever and do this job, right? But sometimes I'm like, am I being, am I just like thinking about myself and not thinking about my family? I don't know. Like, it's a really weird struggle. And so when having Lydia's dad be like, well, I want to be a grandfather. It was like, well, she needs to like think about herself. You know, she needs to do like what she wants to do, what's best for her, her goals, her dreams, not right. like what your goals and dreams were in life. Like, this is her life. Like, and she has to live in, not fucking you. Um, and I get the intentions are good, but I felt that. But Eric was like different, right? Eric, when it came down to it and, you know, he could have said like, please don't go he didn't he said like this is what's best for you and the baby um and this is you know your dream like do it 
That was so beautiful. <laughs> I like love that. Yeah, it, you, you constantly were seeing like he was not like you said. You're, he just was never your typical dude, which was nice and refreshing because they, they gave you aspects of him being a typical dude. But then he had to seat down. He was like, "Well, I can't. I'm not going to keep her back. I'm not going to be the one that does this." So right, right, right. Yeah, no, I love their relationship. I thought it was nice. I thought it was good. It was like a, a feel good moments of the show, mm-hmm. interwoven with, of course, some struggle. So which. Uh, yet to be seen in season two because they definitely they definitely left you with some cliffhangers of will these people do x y and z what will happen to the taco shop what will happen to each of the characters where will they decide to go with their lives and then like a big one with casimero so like yeah i really like this show i also hope there's a season two i feel like it was nice just to have uh, latino characters on tv honestly where you can where like again like i felt like different moments of each character's storyline i was like yeah like i get that like that happened to me too or yeah or you know that sounds that feels really familiar to me and i totally understand that struggle and and yeah maybe i, I fall on one side or the other but regardless I, I feel where they've been in in different ways so it was really nice to to have that to have like that all latino cast even though again it was it is mexican it is set in east la mm-hmm. um it felt like you could definitely relate to it as a as a latino and probably as other people as well but yeah um yeah i would i would recommend i really liked it hope there's a season two yeah um it's quick 30 minute episodes too you guys if you are looking for a quick series to add to your list under your belt and for when people start producing shows on mass again to like add to the list of things to watch okay so we can move on to the portion of our show called latin excellence (laughs) where we call out some latinx achievements in pop culture we have two the first one is the disney channel promoted a latino rafael garcia to vice president of original series development so this is a big deal because original content development or series development is very influential position where you're able to create original live action content that hopefully can increase positive latino representation and as we know like such an important thing to see on tv um but it's especially as a child, I feel like that like really sometimes sets the tone for how you develop and feel about yourself and your culture and um, where you come from and to be able to like see yourself on screen. So that's like really exciting. He's going to be in charge of the live action original content for the Disney Channel and for Disney Plus. Super exciting. And like, I think like you said, just to have people be able to see themselves. I mean, we just spent quite a bit of time talking about how amazed we were the characters were multifaceted like you know just like fucking basic you know humanity for these folks and you know we are like singing its praises so to have more shows in which you know and, and there are there are some out there now and it's like i've been on disney plus the diary of how i became president i think yeah the diary of a future president diary of a future president yeah you know one day at a time mm-hmm. the reboot of party of five um there's another one with like a very like a, a like another kid-friendly one where the girl is like a scientist or something oh yes i don't know the name but I, I know I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's coming. They're out there. It's going to be great for like kids now to be able to run the gamut of different types of people. And I hope it's not just like for Latino kids. Like I want other yes. people to watch it and, and see it. Exactly. Exactly. Even though there's a lot of Spanish television, Spanish film, um, by Spanish, I mean language Spanish, right? Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like 
I don't always feel like, oh, that represents who I am, right? Right. It's like, I love Fast and Furious, but I'm not like a cool ass race car driver. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love that. I love Fast and Furious, don't get me wrong, but it's not necessarily like, oh, that represents my life. You know what right. I mean? So I love that about this. And I love that, you know, the more that we have of things like this, every show doesn't have to represent you, right? Like it's it, every Latino right. character doesn't have to stand there and represent their entire culture. Exactly. Can be like a certain type of person, right? You can be the race car driver on Fast and the Furious, but you can also be, uh, you know, on a taco in the taco shop on Hentified. And it doesn't each person doesn't have to represent their entire culture. So it's really important to have a vast array of of choices. Um, so it's very exciting. So hopefully he does a lot with that position. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which sounds a little weird, but hear me out. (laughs) (laughs) So Bad Bunny dropped a music video for Yo Pereo Sola last week. And in it, he is fully dressed in drag. So he said, fuck the homophobia and the toxic masculinity in our Latino culture. And the entire time he's dressed, you know, head to toe with full boobs and everything. He's advocating for sexual diversity for the LGBTQ community within the Latinx community, which just doesn't get talked about enough. And then at the end of the video, he there's this black screen and then the words, si no quiero bailar contigo, respeta, ella perea sola. And if you don't know what that means, it says, if you don't, if she doesn't want to dance with you, respect her. She twerks alone. It's an empowering message. It's all about consent and about deconstruction of the, you know, the machismo that kind of lives in our culture, all in one music video. So on their surface, it's just kind of like a fun dance song, but I feel like he had a lot of messaging throughout um, that I thought was awesome. Again, especially for our particular community, I was very proud of the positive i think messaging from it bad bunny has definitely been like on the on the forefront of this and like late of february he did when he performed on the tonight show and he paid tribute to the a murdered transgender woman and so he, he's definitely fighting the good fight and next let's that's awesome okay so we can move on to some pop culture stuff <laughs> Obviously, this is going to be a little weird this week. Um, we, you know, with everything going on, but obviously, the coronavirus has impacted the industry a ton. We know that you know a bunch of festivals, and major events have been canceled. Summer Olympics, all you know, the sporting events, Oof. Disney Park definitely closed. Oof. Movie releases gotten pushed back as they should have been, but still, still sad. I was really looking forward to the ninth installment of Fast and the Furious, which was supposed to come out, I think, in May, um, but they pushed it back like an entire year. So that's unfortunate. And then In the Heights was also pushed, um, but we don't know until when. They don't have a new date yet. Um, so obviously a ton of stuff. I know. Stuff we were looking forward to, which is unfortunate, which in light of things is not really a big deal, but still. And as you mentioned, they stopped production on like everything, obviously. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about like all of these late night talk shows hosts doing their shows like from their houses? Yeah, I've seen a couple. I don't know. Some of them are almost like a little bit too casual. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because they're usually like all suited up, right? And and then, Mm -hmm. you know, like... I don't mind it. I'm glad that they're keeping it going and having some sort of semblance of a little bit of normalcy. Mm-hmm. I did watch Trevor Noah and The Daily Show, and it was weird because he doesn't have an audience. Um, I mean, with all of them, it's weird that they don't have an audience. So um, he always, you know, he has 
jokes left and right, but there's nobody laughing at them. So it was almost weird not to have the laugh because you uh, just like play a laugh track. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm just like laughing by myself. I don't know. It's weird. But I mean, it's fine. It's just it's not necessarily something I'm like, oh, let me go watch this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Jimmy Fallon releases like mini episodes where he highlights a charity that you can go support coronavirus related. It's good. They're using their platform for good stuff also. So Anyway, I mean, there's been a lot of celebrities now, especially all over social media, pretty much, because they have nothing else to do, I guess, just like us. They're just like us, you guys. <laughs> so Kristen Cavallari, she's like, quote unquote, stuck in the Bahamas. <laughs> Stop posting yourself like on the beach. And like, I read this ridiculous thread and there was no point to this thread because it wasn't like anything was exposed about her. It wasn't like, it wasn't even that crazy of a celebrity thing. But yeah, but it's basically like, they had ample opportunity <laughs> to leave the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. And they just fucking didn't. And now they're still like, I guess we're stuck here. And they're like, you actually could probably still leave. And right. yeah. Um, but they were there with like her hairdresser. And then at first, I didn't think her kids were there. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, my kids are here. And it's like, wait, what is happening? Yeah. And like, they're, she's like a notorious anti vaxxer, too. I mean, it's just like a weird situation. But it was like, she didn't do anything terrible then, which I like got me angry. It was just like, what the fuck? Why is happening? No. Yeah. It just felt a little, it just feels tone deaf. That's why it's yeah. nothing like wrong. It's just, she, I mean, there was like one Instagram post of her, like literally on a beach and like whatever bikini. And she's like social distancing, like with a shot of her on the sand by the water. And I'm like, read the room. I have to say like, I personally am over every social distancing <laughs> post anyone ever posts ever. Yeah. Um, because it's ninety percent of them is like them on a walk and like nobody's around like social distancing. And I'm like just, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, yeah. like their dog is like six feet ahead of them and they're like social distancing. And I'm like fuck, just stop yeah. fucking like this is terrible yeah. content. Yeah, everyone. I, I this is also just a byproduct of I think the situation, which everything makes me angry, even mundane shit. I don't know. It just feels like too much almost where I'm like, I want you back in character on whatever TV show you came from. I don't, I don't want your real life anymore. I, I don't want you without makeup anymore. <laughs> I don't care about you as a real human being. But <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I literally like every celebrity. I just go back to not getting that. Yeah, no, I know. Except Tom Hanks. I genuinely am caring about what Tom Hanks does. And also, Chet Hanks, because oh I have a newfound interest in Chet Hanks as well. <laughs> so, Chunan sent me, like, you know, her, her, her normal, like, 1 a.m. text or whatever. And, by the way, I'm still up at that time, too, so I'm not nothing against that. But, anyway, no, at some point you sent me um, a, a Twitter thread or something, or a tw that Twitter video he, like, came out with when his parents were confirmed um, with COVID. And, uh he was like shirtless. I mean, like, yeah, like, you know, my parents have COVID-19, but they're not even that sick. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know. It was so funny. And I didn't even know that Chet existed until you sent it to me. Chet, by the way, is like Tom Hanks' son, um, in case you don't know. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson's son, like, who just is the complete opposite of what you would think the son of Tom Hanks. And this is being stereotypical. I'm sure he's like a great person. He has a daughter. Yeah. He's like tatted up. And he like has like a rap career, I think. I mean, yeah. I do blame both of the parents though for naming him Chet. So I think that's kind of where 
the whole thing came off the hinges right. is that he was named Chad, right. which is Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson's fault. Right, so, right, right, right. But, That's fair. That's fair. But, like, yeah, if your name is Chad, like, I guess you should go get a bunch of tats. And then, yeah. And the first reply to that to me was, like, sure, when I, you know, like, giving an update on your parents, like, yeah, the other person is shirtless. <laughs> like, just. That's how you have to deliver the news, shirtless. You yeah. gotta, yeah. Anyway, so, the, so yeah. And Idris Elba, obviously, I care about his news. But, um. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, I'm like, Meh. yeah. There's, a, I mean, there's just a lot going on. I think also, and, and celebrities just seem very like, do I really want to like see a picture or a video or whatever of you and your like gorgeous ass house right now? Right, right. Like, no. Um, or like bake. Or, okay, so okay, I say this, but then like I do the opposite. So Joanna Gaines like has some videos on her Instagram where she's like baking stuff from her cookbook, and I actually like watching them like a lot, even though I'm not actually baking anything because like I can't waste in, like a couple of eggs in uh, for like bread <laughs> when like I can't find eggs in the store. So I'm like, well, I can't make those cookies because I can't spare two eggs, you know. But I hate people like being like I baked banana bread today and I'm like fuck you like I'm I feel like I'm barely getting out of bed and like surviving today like what do you right, right. What, I can't do Joanna is the exception to for me personally I think that's because like that was also part of her normal personality is that they kind of did those normal things so it wasn't ever like you saw her in a different light this is what she does yeah but yeah um, that's true I have enjoyed Jennifer Ely is like reading Pride and Prejudice and she was the original Elizabeth Bennett. I say original quote unquote because for me she's the original Elizabeth Bennett in the BBC miniseries that came out in the 90s with Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy. I love that you're a Pride and Prejudice expert. It's like amazing. I love that you're like, well, in the 1990s version, that was not the case. That's it was the BBC version. Um, I know a lot of people like the Karen Knightley version, but I can't stand Karen Knightley, so that's kind of where I draw the line. But yeah, no, so yeah, exactly. Celebrities reading books, celebrities donating their money. Um, I know Alice, my best friend, was talking about how she saw Chrissy Teigen do like an exchange. She wanted some like food item. Right. And then she all she could think about, though, was like how unsanitary she was being, yeah. like with the whole process. So it's just like, you're doing this all wrong. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, why would you want to contact anybody right now? Like, like she legit had a taco truck come to her house once. <laughs> she can get whatever she wants delivered. I don't understand. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. It feels more for like the content versus like, oh, this is what you're actually, this is what you would actually do if the camera wasn't on you almost. I don't know. That's true. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, speaking of celebrities, so there's was this meme going around. I thought we could play it. Of they give you like six different houses, and each house has like five, yeah, five different celebrities on it. Um, and there are a variety of celebrities for each house. Um, and you have to choose, okay, which house would you want to be quarantined in with? Yeah, I think we have to go through each one. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, we'll spend like minimal time, but like, I, I feel like there's so much to say. Okay, so there's, like you said, six different houses. So house one, so it's Justin Bieber, Will Ferrell, Kylie Jenner, Dr. Phil, Mindy Kaling. This house is out immediately. This house is out. Just like, like <laughs> don't like. I really don't think we should spend. I feel like a lot of people felt like this. Like this, this. I don't think this is a lot of conversation about. No, nobody's going to this fucking house. Are you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Okay, have okay, no, we're no for obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious fucking. Reasons. No, this was not not for me. I really the only person on this list that I well no I like Will Ferrell but he's just a lot but I like him right. But the other person Mindy Kaling I I really like but one thing I actually 
don't love is that on her Instagram, she posts a lot of pictures, but they're always like these very beautiful, very tailored pictures, right? I'm like, this is, I mean, maybe it is her, like her just being her normal self. But I'm like, this is not my image of you. Like, I imagine you to be much more like me, in which case, like you're, you're a mess all the fucking time. And in her picture, she's never, everything's like beautiful. Every, she, she has a very colorful house, very beautiful house, which is great. But like, she's always like in her perfect, like little PJs, like all buttoned up. And she's like, you know, and I'm like, who's taking these pictures also? <laughs> I don't know. That's like one thing I'm like, like, I, I feel like her Instagram isn't, isn't really reflective of her personality. I could be wrong. I don't know her. But anyway, agreed. No, no to house one. No to house one. So house two is a bit contentious. Um, having a conversation with somebody on Instagram about this. Um, <laughs> okay. Here's the thing with house two. I feel like there are some, there are a lot of quality people. However, I feel like a lot of these quality people who I enjoy their work, I think they're fine human beings. I don't want to be alone with them that long because they would get on my fucking nerves. And these are people that I probably actually enjoy. Like Chrissy Teigen is obviously like, I would probably get it. Like Glenn Manuel Miranda, fucking genius, love all his work. I don't think I want to be quarantined with the man. He would just sing everything all the time, um, which for the first day would be like phenomenal. For the next 60 days would be like. Exactly. Exactly. And he's like, I think he's so smart that his like mind is constantly going that you can never just be like, dude, can you just. Mm." (laughs) Um, House two, just so everybody knows, house two is is Reese Witherspoon, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Miley Cyrus, Quentin Tarantino and Chrissy Teigen. But yeah. And also Quentin Tarantino ruins the entire house for me completely. (laughs) Have you heard that man speak? No fucking way. He's also like just wants to say the N-word all the time. No. Quentin Tarantino fucking brings that house down. No. No. He's out. That house is gone. For me personally. What do you think? (laughs) I agree. Like think about each of those people and like how much personality each one has on their own. (sighs) Miley Cyrus is like too much for me now. Like I feel like I would have gone with Miley Cyrus maybe like 20 years ago. But at this point I'm like. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you would get a different personality every single time with Miley Cyrus. I feel like as much as I am personally having a mental breakdown right now, I can't imagine people who have, like, had, I just, no, I'm not going to, no. Yes, I agree. And then, yeah, Chrissy T, and I feel like would, like, literally kill everybody in the house. She's so intense. I mean, and I I really like. Exactly. No, I like a lot of these people. I just don't want to. Yeah, she starts. She will start shit with everybody for doing anything in that house. So, no. Um, also, <laughs> to that house. So, house number three. Uh, this is also a quick note for me too. It's David <laughs> Blaine, Kanye West, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, and Oprah. So, yeah. um, the only redeeming one is Oprah, but it also would be like. Um, okay over whatever um kanye billy and taylor all are like 12 years old combined i think like that's their mentality kanye and taylor together oh (laughs) can't do that that's an immediate that's an immediate no and somebody was high and they were like fuck it let's throw david blaine in there who is not a relevant (laughs) person ever let's just start i was like who's david blaine i had to like remember i'm like oh yeah (laughs) all right house four Meghan Markle, Demi Lovato, Tina Fey, George Clooney, Dave Chappelle. This is like the winner here. This between this and the next house, but I am leaning toward house four. This is, I think, my house. I think Dave Chappelle and George Clooney can be super chill. Same with Tina Fey. Uh, I'm not sure Demi Lovato's personality, but I think I think they can all be chill. I think we can all. You would have a few laughs. Definitely the most chill house. Smoke some weed. You. <laughs> 
if it's like what what if it's George Clooney's house in Italy? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I am. Let's do that. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely the most chill house. Main Markle, I I really really like her. My only thing with her is like I feel like she's like really into like yoga and eating like healthy. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like my only like. Mm, Tina Fey would be fun. I think George Clooney would be chill too. Um, same thing. I don't really know anything about Demi Lovato. But yeah, this is the most promising house. I would. I agree with you on that. Yeah, house five. Okay, so this was like I think my second choice house of Jennifer Lopez, LeBron James, Gordon Ramsay, Post Malone, and Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. So. For me, Post Malone is the wild card here. I don't want to have to look at a stupid fucking mustache every day of my life. (laughs) Yeah. He was my wild card here. And so even Gordon Ramsay, I was like, I mean, is he going to be like he is on the show? Like, I don't know. I mean, I like that he likes to cook, though. So it's like, that's a big win. Exactly. Exactly. The cooking thing is like totally, totally a a big um, wild card. But then um, the girl that I was talking about, Ada, she was saying that she was talking to her husband about this too. And I guess on the UK, he is edited differently, oh. that he isn't as intense. Okay. And so uh, if he cooks, I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'll take a little bit of yelling if I can get a good yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that the yelling really doesn't bother me. So. <laughs> we do that a lot in the house. I'd be okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, between those two of them, I was like, uh, I wasn't sure. And then lastly, we have House 6, which is Beyonce, Ellen DeGeneres, Chris Hemsworth, Emma Watson, and Britney Spears. So really, it's Ellen that kills this house for me. Really? Oh, I thought it, to me it was Britney. And I love Britney. Listen, like, I love Britney. when her song come on, I'm, I'm on the dance floor, right? Like, it's this isn't about that. It's just more of like... The more I worried about Britney and like her... I'm going to say, like, she is under control of her father. I mean, she has a lot of shit going on. And now she has turned, like, full fucking Karl Marx communism. I'm like, yes, Brittany, I'm with you. I am with you, girl. Um, However, I have also, like, in my deep dive of panic and anxiety in between the news, then you, like, deep dive into these fucking tweets and where you're, like, talking about Kristen Cavallari, Britney Spears' Marxism, and apparently how Ellen DeGeneres is a fucking shitbag. Really? No. And that she is actually a terrible personality. And now this is tweets on the internet. So, I mean, I hope don't come after me, Ellen. This is just, I'm just going off what I read on the internet because everything you read on the internet is true. So, but apparently she's like really shitty to her staff and like people and that she like, and there was that whole scene, I guess when she was first starting out that Mariah Carey like wasn't admitting that she was pregnant and she like made her drink alcohol, but Mariah Carey didn't want to. This was like on air. And then Mariah Carey lost a baby, like, not too long after that. So it not necessarily causation equals correlation. But, I mean, that, that was one of the things that, like, people brought up about her and that she, like, won't look at people directly in the eye. She won't smile at them. She'll, like, randomly go off if you do- if she perceives you to have done something terrible to her. I mean. Oh, my gosh. So this is, a, but again, tweets on the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know if this is true or not, but we're going to go ahead and assume it's true. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I might be just intimidated of Beyonce too the entire time. Just like nervous. I mean, I would be too, but like, I mean, I can't pass up on that chance okay. and I can't pass up on Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. This, this is actually my number two house. Um, my only, my wild card here was actually Brittany, but now that you're talking about Ellen, maybe it's Ellen. Let us know. We will, we will link to this. Uh, we'll put this in the show notes. <laughs> Let us know which house you choose. Which are you and like why? I mean, maybe you know something about Post Malone that I am unaware of. <laughs> Like, we just need to be in house five. 
I mean, I'd really like to see or be in the house of Jennifer Lopez. I mean, Agreed. I love her. So Same. I would I would I would do that. She that's, could like that's a strong also. help us work out every day. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. We could totally do that. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of our show. So what have you like been up to during this time? Like, have you been consuming a lot of pop culture or not? No, not <laughs> at all, actually. I mean, um I yes and no, I guess. I had already seen The Americans with James Haddon, so we like finished rewatching that. Mm. We saw, finally saw Uncut Gems, which was fucking ridiculous. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Like ridiculous, like bad, or like <sighs> yeah. Both. I'm definitely glad we did not pay money to go see it in the movie theater. Okay. Okay. Got it. I personally want to start Tiger King. Okay. James is not. So, um, but we are currently also watching Ozark and I'm looking forward to watching Onward sometime. Um, if I can get my kids to watch anything other than Frozen, I would like to watch (laughs) Onward. I want to watch Ozark too. I haven't seen it at all. And then I did watch Tiger King because it's the only like non-coronavirus related thing on the internet right now. I watched it by myself also because Manny was like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> I didn't like love it. I mean, really? I honestly thought it was just kind of sad. I mean, are we all surprised that there's like crazy ass motherfucking people out there who like hoard tigers? I don't know. Right. I mean, it wasn't that like, I was like, yeah, like that's, that makes sense. It's, it is, it is America. Yeah. You know? And there is like crazy like storylines in terms of like their kind of like relationships or whatever, but. It wasn't even, like, that shocking to me, honestly. And more than anything, I was just sad at, like, the treatment of the animals. Yeah. Like, every episode, I was like, this poor fucking, like, tiger. You know what I mean? Like, living his fucking Mm -hmm. life in this goddamn cage with this person who doesn't know (laughs) shit about what he's doing, even though he, like, likes to think he does. And it's not just him, right? It's, like, there's a lot of different people like that who they kind of profile a little bit on the show. And it's just, like, awful. It's awful. It made me really, it just made me sad for the animals. And me, I was like, where the fuck is like animal welfare or whatever the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where are you on this? Yeah. I don't think I, re- I didn't react to it the same way other people did. I think me, I was much more focused on the animals than the yeah. people on the storyline. So I, it was fun. I mean, it's it's entertaining, if anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been trying to catch up with Shit's Creek. I believe that the <gasps> final, final episode is going to be tomorrow. So it is tomorrow. Yes. That was going to be one of mine too. I'm so sad that it's ending. I have been, uh, okay. So I watched the trials of Gabriel Fernandez on uh, Netflix. Literally the fucking hardest thing I've ever had to watch in my entire life. Not going to do it. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like probably not the best thing to watch when you're already on edge because of a pandemic. But I feel like, like immediately, like within the first five minutes, I was like in tears. Like I was crying. And I don't really cry at things that much. Manny would say otherwise, but I don't feel like I do. It was like bawling. It was like really upsetting. But I, and I just felt like I have to keep watching this. Like I feel like I owe it to this child to know his story. And so I did. I And it's terrible, but it's, it's very well done uh, series, but it's a terrible story. At some point, I would recommend you watch it. Maybe not during this time. Um, I also watched On My Block. Yeah, I want to watch On My Block. Yeah. So I didn't know. It was, it's a teen drama, which I did not realize. I thought it was kind of more like Hentified, right? Like mm-hmm. an adult-oriented drama, but it's not. Um, it's a teen drama, drama comedy, but it's still pretty good, actually. I really I enjoyed it. I watched all three seasons within a few days. The only part I didn't like was like 
teen romance, which is so stupidly overdramatic, <laughs> which is a lot for me to say because I'm an overdramatic person. But I was looking for like another Latino type show on Netflix. Basically, it follows these high school kids and sort of just like the challenges of being a teenager, but also being a teenager in this like predominantly Latino and Black neighborhood in L.A., so it's, it's a it's a comedy drama though it's very it's very enjoyable especially the first season I would say third season was got a little bit away from it I think but my favorite character is Spooky which is the one I was telling you about like <laughs> and then I also listened to Conto like that that oh, the um, podcast? podcast that they have with Dasha Polanco I really liked it I thought it was well done they have a lot of people from Hentified and a lot of people from On My Block mm-hmm. on it. And they talk about like just a lot of this same issues that we talk about all the time uh, within the Latino community. Um, you know, one episode is like about machismo. The other one is about being a Latina, right? And what like what that means. And and so just different topics that we I feel like we touch on. But anyway, it was a good podcast. I would um, I'd recommend it. Nice. Um, as far as like looking forward to stuff, you already mentioned Shit's Creek. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm I'm definitely consuming more than I was, but it's it's hard right now to like look forward to things. And I think too, it's because like I don't feel bad because my kids are sitting in front of screens a lot, but so like I'm trying to be I don't know. So like when they're not, I'm trying to not make them sit in front of screens. So like any free time I may have had, I'm like let's go outside. Like the weather's nice sometimes. You know, like let's do something else, or you know, instead of like sitting them somewhere. I don't know. But yeah, everything is terrible. But we hoped you enjoyed this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is all true yeah agreed um yes thank you so much for listening stay safe and take care of yourselves and each other yeah if you're on social media all the time um give us a follow bfc podcast and you can always email us and reach out to us we're on instagram twitter and on follow subscribe rate do all those things because you have nothing but time on your hands working mom who's balancing everything (laughs) Right. (laughs) right Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, Because of Course Familia, Diana here. Judanne and I spent some time talking before the show about the coronavirus, and we decided to include some of our conversation here. So for the next 10 minutes, that's what you can expect to hear if you'd like to stick around. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, like it feels like if something were to happen... Like, if something were to happen to you or somebody in your family, like... No one can go. Yeah, we're going through it together, but, like, you're not... You're, like... you're, And especially the nature of the disease, like, you're not going through it together. Like, you're... You're absolutely... Yeah. You're absolutely on your own. Doctors have said, like, if you get sick, we cannot do anything for you. We can monitor you. We can keep you comfortable. We can try and help your body. But, like, literally, your body has to fight this on its own. Yeah. Um, like, there's... And like you can't have, you know, obviously you can't have visitors. Um, and because it's like you're distancing from everybody else, it's like you just you feel very isolated, very like yeah, like you're you're on your own on this. Like good luck. And especially with, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, especially with like government response to things and like or lack thereof, I should say. Um, and the feeling of just not having not having strong leadership at this time, it feels, it feels even more like that. Yeah. Like it feels like, well, like an- I'm not getting help from there. So I'm going to have to help myself. Right. Like your family, your family physically can't help you. You cannot do anything else. Like you said, we're all doing this at the same time, but we're all completely alone doing this. And yeah, I, it's just like draining. And like, I'm, I feel bad for people who don't have 
I can't say, I can't decide if I feel bad for people who are by themselves or not because I have other people in my house and I'm like, but then there's another aspect of loneliness there as well. Yeah. So absolutely. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Like you're literally by yourself. So I get that too, but it's also just hard with like, I mean, as you know, with kids or a child, um, yeah. just like, they don't really know what's going on. And so you're just having to like, I mean, which is a good thing. It's good that they're kind of just happy, happily, like ignorant about it, I guess. But, but it's like hard. It's like, how do you like entertaining them and doing stuff? And then yeah. on the back of your mind, just like being stressed AF um, about everything. I'm very glad I don't have to homeschool them in a legit capacity. Right. Um, <laughs> right. That, would be, that would be really bad. Yeah. I can't imagine having that added responsibility and like just working from home. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and having a child, it's like you're like full time in two capacities. And it's like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to be like a productive employee and also be like a full time mom to a, like a toddler. Like it just feel it feels like I'm barely doing work right now. Yeah. Like I'm barely doing yeah. There's there's nothing that I'm doing 100% right now in any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? Like work, parenting, cooking. And I'm lucky that James is here and his mom. But like it is still exhausting every – yep. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm like – I feel like you. Like we have a designated person to – and since he's going, James is going to work, like, he's the designated person to be, like, if we have to go to the store, if we have to do something, like, he's the one going. And I'm, like, can I just, I want to go. Can I be the one here? <laughs> can I see other people, please? I don't, yeah. It's hard. It's really, I mean, like, for everybody, for the entire world right now, it's so hard. And we're the lucky ones. And that's, I mean, we've said that already, but, like, that's, I can't imagine the stress other people are going through right now. People who, like, especially in the medical profession or not, I mean, who don't have, like, adequate protection people don't have money to like stock up on food and they have to go every however often people who like don't have safe homes and have to like or don't have homes um people who like yeah no their family like they're stuck with abusive family members Mm -hmm. uh you know everything is awful and then yeah and then there's not even this is not even touching that's just like on a personal level it's not touching about how like every aspect of our society has completely is like a complete fucking sham and everything is like a lie, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> everything is a lie. But not in a lie in the conspiracy theory sense, because then there are a group of people who don't think that the virus is real at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and are like, the government needs you indoors. And I'm like, first off, not everyone's in fucking doors. So I'm not sure what the, like, what do you think is happening? Yeah. There's people like that on my Facebook feed that I've literally had to block because they they induce even more stress. Um, where they're like somebody on my Facebook feed today was like, "Well, do we really know if any politicians have like died from this?" And I'm like, "I don't understand why you're even asking that question." I mean, I know why you're asking that question. I know what you're trying to get at because you're like, "Oh, this is like not a you know this is like a government thing," and they're like giving it to the masses or whatever, and okay. they're not getting it themselves or I don't know, like all this like weird shit where I'm like, I can't even. I can't deal with you right now. Like, this isn't like a, a stupid policy issue or something where we're just going to disagree. No, this is like life and death. And you're being a fucking idiot. And you're stressing me the fuck out. Like, I can't. And like, you're telling me that this is the government thing that both, not only just our government, but every fucking government in the world is also a part of. <laughs> like, all of their different, like, po- political party, like, 
I wait, like we, we so like communists or like China, who's like on one end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and like us and the UK and like Australia and Sweden, like we're in Italy, like but we're all on different spectrums here, and yet we're all part of this conspiracy. Like I, how? To, I mean, I would just. I would be impressed to know, I know. how that really works. Like, yeah. you know, totally. Like those people are scary. And it seems like just insulting to the people doing like, like all the healthcare workers and like the people who have died. It's just fucking insulting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and not to, again, not to mention like politics again, but like, even just like the, the best example of that is like New York being like, Hey, we need X money ventilators because that like everybody here is gonna fucking die if you don't give this to us and trump being like i don't think you need that many i think you're lying and i'm like you literally are like the spokesperson for these people who like don't believe shit i know because you don't feel like believing it you don't want to believe it because the media hypes everything up apparently. i'm like oh my god like this isn't like this isn't just like a again not just a random policy not just like some law this is right, like right. a virus that is killing people. This is a virus that is killing Americans. And you're you're just like, well, I don't, you know, I don't believe it. I'm like, okay. Just literally nothing is going to convince you at this point. So I don't know why I'm even trying. Right. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, just a, it's like another level of exhausting too. Yeah. I'm like torn between being on Twitter for the memes, but like oh, the yeah. constant barrage of things. I'm like... I have to time it very not time it but I have to limit myself very much on social media these days because because of all that because it's like I can't I can't listen to this all day because it's exhausting it's demoralizing it's everything again mostly because of like our response to it and just like you know leadership but yeah I had to like because in the beginning we were watching it all the time being like what is going on like what's happening and now and like very quickly I was like I literally can't sleep because like it's like 4 a.m. and I'm like sitting here not right. sleeping because I'm thinking about this and I can't like I can't do that to myself. So I stopped watching it. I like and it's like the balance of like trying to stay informed, but also just being like, I can't I can't do it. Close it up. Yeah. Yeah. I do go on Twitter like daily, but like especially now with everything going on because I didn't used to. But at least just to be like, okay, give me the highlights of what's happening and then try to get off within like half an hour and try to do it earlier in the day so that I'm not like sitting there thinking at night about it. That's smart. It's it's a lot. I mean, for everybody, it's a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but that's why we will talk about pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and that's why we're here. I mean, in the like Again, I feel like for two, a good two weeks, I was so, str- I mean, I'm sure everybody still is. I'm not, you know, I'm not unique to this, but like, I was so stressed out for like a good two weeks that I, I could not do anything. Like I could not, I couldn't watch a show properly because I couldn't, you know, the shows and movies as we've talked about before, TV, movies, whatever, um, books, like they take, you know, they take you out of your everyday, right? They take you somewhere else, get you out of your head for a little while. And I literally just couldn't do it. Like it wasn't, it was, it was like, I'd watch something and just like be thinking about, like everything going on, like I couldn't do it. But now, now I'm better. Like I said, I think because I've tuned the news off a little bit more, I've tried to just like not think about it as much as possible, which is hard, but, and like that's helped a lot actually to just, so now I'm like watching shows all the time because it actually helps a lot to just like get away. That's good. I had like a week of nothing where I just didn't do much of anything work or otherwise. And then like somewhat productive week. And then last week was not great. And then now- trying to make this week both productive and 
don't know. Normal. <laughs> Try to make it. No. Yeah, exactly. As normal as possible. Right. Right. Um, which feels impossible kind of right now. But yeah, agreed. I, I haven't really had a productive week of work. I've had a, a couple of productive days here and there. But with Alexander, it's been like, I mean, it's just hard with him around. And then, and also, like I said, I, I wasn't feeling well for a while. So I was like kind of just out for like a good week. And then, yeah. So it's like kind of a little bit getting back to like new normal, I guess I would say now, by now. Yeah. Which is good. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so here we are. Here we are. 